Take your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read uh, verse 3 through 10 there. I just want to make sure I got that right. This passage, by the way, you want to mark down in your world of uh, important passages. This is a very important passage. When you get some bad news comes your way, unexpected news. I was talking to, uh, you know, when the Wallings who recently had some bad news come their way and very, very hard, hard news to bear. This passage is, is written for when bad news comes your way. It'll, uh, it'll be there for you. The Bible prepares for every situation. If you trust the Word of God, it'll prepare you for everything. Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. How much comfort? Who comfort us in all, how much? All our tribulation, that's troubles, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, no exceptions, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You don't have to go through the same trouble to comfort somebody in trouble. You can have a different kind of trouble, but you reacted to the trouble. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, stuff like that. You trusted the Lord through it, and so I'm through it. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. So the more I suffer, the more consolation I get. That's what he said. The more I suffer, the more consolation God gives me. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. So no matter what happens in our lives, God's going to use what happens for his glory and all of our, all of our edification. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye have been partakers of sufferings, and nobody gets out of this, uh, nobody gets out of this place alive. So shall ye also be of the consolation. Well, that's good promise. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of your of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. There's nothing wrong when you go through trouble going into some despair. Yeah. Oh, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't despair. Oh, no. You're going to despair. You're going to have the range of emotions everybody else has. But the difference is we got Christ with us to comfort us. But we had, I like this verse 9, but we have the sense of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God that raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, and whom we trust that he yet will deliver. So he, he helps us past, present, and future. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful passage when trouble comes your way to make sure you look at that and uh, review that on a regular basis. So... I hear preachers through the years, oh, I mean, all kinds of verbiage they use for it. In Christian circles, actually, preachers will say they're looking for the power of God. They want more power. They want God's mighty power. They want heavenly power, spiritual power, power from on high, or fire from God's power, or a fire of God's power. All these I heard as expressions 
Uh, they want to see God work in their life. Tonight, do you want to see God work in your life? Yeah. If you want to see God work in your life, you will. He will do it. Uh, there's no need to spend, spend I don't think, a, a much time tonight on the fact that we need God's power. We do need God's power badly. Uh, John 6, 63 said, It is spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. In 1 Corinthians 1, 29, it says that no flesh shall glory in his presence. It does not take a Bible scholar to realize that God wants us to have his manifest power in our life, and he has a purpose for it. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says it this way, but we have this treasure that is the gospel and the, the understanding that you have of God and the eternal things, which is tremendous. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that's in us, our, our, and, and, you know, we're failing and, and weak vessels. Why is that? That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Well, that sounds about like Corinthians. The sentence of death was upon us that we may learn not to trust in ourselves but in the Lord. That sounds just about like that. And so God uh, could make us never get sick. He could make you never have trouble. He could make you have all your finances go. He could do it. He could do it. But that's not his way of training. That's not his way of enduing us with his power or letting us understand who he is. He puts his power in earthen vessels or clay pots. Uh, if I may say it this way, pots full of infirmity. We got all kinds of infirmities. First Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Second Corinthians 4.11 says, For we which live all are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal body. So it's all, these are all saying about the same thing. So as earthen vessels, we have a lot of need for improvement. We have a lot of flaws a lot of infirmities that God is going to help us with as we trust him. And then who's going to get the credit when all that happens? He is. Anything that good that comes out of me in my life, when I go to heaven and stand before him, I'm going to know where it came from. It came from him. That's why the Bible says, no flesh shall glory in his presence. Uh, Dick Mercado is not going to glory in his presence. Uh, Wendell Heller is not going to glory in his presence. Uh, Bill Hall is not going to glory in his presence. Don Sisk isn't going to glory in his presence. Uh, Jerry Savinsky is not going to glory in his presence. Tom Farrell is already in his presence. He's not going to glory. Steve Pettis is not going to glory in his presence. Uh, uh, Scott Pauley is not going to glory in his presence. Nobody, no Christian, no matter how good a Christian you think they are, no matter how wonderful you think they are, they're not ever going to glory. God's going to get all the glory because we understand individually where it's coming from. It's God that's in us, the hope of glory. And you see, the degree of God's power that will be manifested through you is somewhat, in some degree, up to you. That may be a new thought. The Bible says, if a man purge, therefore purge himself. Well, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. He says, if a man therefore purge himself from these... He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. 
How do you get prepared for every good work? You purge yourself. It didn't say that God purged you, though God will help purge you, and he will purge you, but we also are working as partners with him on this thing, willing to be purged of our own in areas. When I got saved, I got right with God, not saved. When I got right with God at 18 years old, uh, there were a bunch of things that God began to purge and, and, and began to move me to purge out of my life. And so I began to cooperate with him. And I quit smoking, quit drinking. Kathy quit dancing, going, drinking booze. Every time I say that on the way home, I get a little bit of lecture on that. I said, what part of that was a lie? And it's quiet. Well, how do you go about purging yourself so that you can be a vessel unto honor and God will use you? How do you do it? We're, we're, uh, we're in double-knit, uh, what do they call them, double-knit leisure suit, polyester double-knit leisure suits so that you look like you are about 30 years outside looking in? Uh, do you stop doing anything that looks like it's fun? Never have any fun? Is that the way you purge yourself? How about never eating a haagen ice cream again? That's deep. No, it's not that way. It's not that way. God's ways are higher than our ways. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. He comes in ways that you don't expect. But when he comes, will we be able to recognize when he comes? I recently have had diagnosis, as you know. <clears throat> I sent it out to everybody, or we hope to send it. The first one had nothing on it. The second one uh, was more specific. People now are getting upset with me that I didn't explain those terms. You can go to Google, type them things in, and they'll tell you everything you need to know about it. I'm not going to go through a page and a half of technical data. If you want to know what it was, you just look them up. And when you know, then maybe I'll know, because I'm not sure, I'm not sure all about myself even. But uh, those are big words. But you may, uh, you may, you may uh, have God come by that way. But I know that God cares about every little thing in our life. You know that from the Bible. You know every head in your hair, is, some of you, every, every hair in your head. Oh, stop it. Every hair in your head is numbered. You know the sparrow today that fell. Gee, God knows every sparrow that fell and died out there. Amen. I mean, we serve a God of detail. Does it make sense? Of course it does. If he made everything, we're talking about microbiology. We're talking about down to the atom. He, can, he, he has no trouble with us. He has no trouble. He, and you say, well, does God even care about me? Are you kidding me? He designed you. His mind thought about you. This is what you're going to look like. This is what you're going to be. This is, and, and he's planning your life out for you. You say, well, I don't like the way he planned my life. Oh, you got to trust him. That's the whole idea of trust. I don't like the big nose I got. Well, you just got to trust him. Uh, I don't like I had curly hair. You can straighten it. You know, you just trust him. You just trust. Now, I'm not telling you not to color your hair, girls. I'm not doing that. You know, God gave you gray hair. You want to color it, do ahead. Whatever you're going to do. But you're limited. You're limited in how much you can fight it. Don't you, don't you get a kick out of these Hollywood people, how they try to fight age? You cannot beat it. 
They go and get this plastic surgery, and they look like some monster from the Black Lagoon. I mean, they get a what they call a permanent smile, and their eyes are open all the time, even at night. And, and they get their face lifted, and they get their hair done, and they get all this stuff. I, mean, I talked to Brother Barrows. I've been trying to mature him up a little. Brother Barrows said, man, if I can get plugs, I'm getting plug, hair, plug, hair plugs, brother. Is Barrows in here? Yeah, I'm getting hair plugs. I said, I'm trying to help the boy. At first, I humored him. I said, sure, sure. But I know Barrows enough to know he's pretty cheap. He's probably never going to buy no hair plugs. He's never going to spend no money on hair plugs. You're never going to do that. It's a bunch of talk. That hair is going to go bye-bye. He's going to be like his dad. He's going to be like his brother. And it's going to happen. And you're, you're, you're fine. But God, my brother Barrows, will give you grace. Amen. Look at all these other bald guys. You just have grace, man. You see, you see, brother, brother Cronus got a big old patch on the top of his head. That's from not wearing a hat enough. In Florida, brother, if you don't have hair, put put a hat on. Oh, I can tell you. But anyways, I'm back. Don't miss out on what God has for you. However, He comes to you, and He'll come to you somewhat uniquely. Somewhat uniquely. Jesus in Matthew chapter sixteen, verse three, said, "In the morning, we the the people, the religious leaders of His day." They, they get up in the morning and said, it'll be foul weather today for the sky is red and lower, lowering. Well, well, that means red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. That's basically what they do. You get a red sky in the morning, you're probably going to have a storm that morning. Red sky at night, sailors delight. It's going to be maybe nice that night. We have little poems. We can read the sky. Here's what Jesus said about that. Oh, you hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the sign of the times. You can't recognize I'm working. You can't recognize I'm, I'm doing this. I think of the woman at the well in John 4. She almost missed Jesus. Jesus answered and said unto her in verse 10, If thou knewest the gift of God, who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. She almost missed him. She tried to stumble him up a couple of times. Well, you know, when the Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all things. And you know, he never revealed himself to anybody up to that time until he were, that old, that old, that old girl, that old girl was married, I think, five times, and the guy she was with, was she was living with the guy. All I can tell you is she had an extremely immoral background, and yet he's the one. Better watch what I'm saying. He's the one that said to her, I'm the Messiah. The one you're talking to is the Messiah. Who else did he do that to? There wasn't a whole lot of people. He came straight up and down and says, oh, by the way, I'm the Messiah. And yet to her he did. That's why I said publicans and harlots are going to enter the kingdom of heaven before you self-righteous folks, you Pharisees, Sadducees, that think you don't need repentance. No, he said, people that are humble and willing to trust me, they're going to be the ones that make it. She almost missed it. Don't you do it? The Thessalonian Christians, however, they recognize the power of God. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, how'd you do it? Which you heard of us, you received it not as a word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh in also you that, you that believe. And so he said, when we came to preach, you didn't think it was just a bunch of another guy preaching or another person. You recognized it as something different as the word of God. They didn't miss God's word coming their way. The Corinthians also recognized it. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, For then, 
we are ambassadors for Christ. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ said be reconciled to God. I use that going door to door this verse once in a while. I say, you know, knock on the door and somebody come, kind of, you know, come see, come saw, hey, like get out of here. And I want, but sometimes I'm led to do it. Sometimes I'm not. I'll say, did you know God's coming by your door today? They kind of give you the look, you know, like, you're not clean. You're not going to tell me you're God. I say, no, I'm an ambassador for God. But it is as though God did beseech you by us. I'm telling you today, be reconciled to God. It's time to get reconciled. In other words, this may be the only God you ever see is a a guy going door to door or somebody passing you a gospel tract. God's knocking. He's using his servants to come by your house as a representative, as an ambassador is, of a representative of a country. We're representing the kingdom of God to these people. They miss it. You want the power of God in your life? You got to look for it. You got to say, God, what are you doing? Show me what you're doing. Help me to see what you're doing. God will not give his power to those, I don't think, who, will, who don't prepare to receive it. Look for his pruning and his purging. If you read John chapter 15, he talks about how if you want to grow, you got to get purged. Brother Mike Tomorrow wanted to, wanted to prune these big old bushes, big, fabulously beautiful bushes we had out here in the front. You all remember them? Well, go look at them now see what you think. But anyway, Brother DeMarro says, I want to trim them back. I said, Brother DeMarro, make sure it's about head height. And they got from head height to shoulder height to waist height. But anyways, he, he took three, four days and pruned them bushes back. Now, I'm not too worried about it because you saw how big they were. They got pruned that way about two or three years ago down to almost a snub, nubbing on the ground, and they were way six, eight feet tall and healthy. And that's, that's what's in a Christian life, man. You grow and get strong and everything, and God will go, eh, it's time to get pruned. Read chapter 15. You say, what methods does God use to, to give us his power to, to manifest his life in us? Well, I believe he uses regular people, people all around us. I believe, first of all, he uses our moms and dads to help us, our school teachers to prune us. Oh, <clears throat> Our wives, our wives, husbands, your boss, your fellow employees, your preacher, your friends. Proverbs 27, 17 says that friends sharpen each other like iron sharpening iron. I appreciate it when somebody comes up to me and says, by the way, Pastor Bill, your breath is terrible. I mean, I say, well, thank you for telling me that. And I go, you know, gargle with Listerine or something or brush my teeth or, or go to the dentist. And uh, as a married man, I've had to say that to my wife. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say that to my wife. I say, man, Kathy, I think you, you, you'd stop a charging bull. <laughs> and she said, what do you mean? I said, well, I think you got a problem. Went to the dentist. Went to the dentist, didn't you, Kathy? Went to the dentist and had a cap bad. And it, and it saved her because it, said it got there early enough to get the cap replaced. It may, not have been, it may not have been the kindest way to say it, but I know how to get in. And it got in. She went to the dentist. But, I mean, 
Well, you tell me you got you got some you got something on your nose there, preacher. Well, thank you, brother. You you got something on your you got something when you ate, you dropped something on your tie. Thank you, brother. Thank you for telling me. You're purging me, you're helping me, encouraging me. Amen. The little things are done by all these people I mentioned. Plus, possibly circumstances like a financial crisis, a death in the family, maybe an unfair discrimination against you. All those, God will use those to purge you and to grow you and to help you and to give you, give you his power and to mature you. A physical and emotional defects are another way he uses. He uses cancer. Cancer is your friend. It'll help you. First of all, cancer is your friend. It'll help you go to God. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? There's no victory. I, he that liveth and believeth in me, shall never see death. Believest thou this? Well, he gives you an opportunity to believe it. I believe it. I bet you if you'd ask any, some of the 200 plus people in the gospel that are on the other side, uh, are you dead? No, I'm a live preacher more than I ever been before. I didn't even, I didn't, when I was on earth, I didn't even feel like I was alive compared to when I stepped over. Amen. You women that have children know how that is. You have a child, you scream, you yell, you talk bad about your husband's parents, and then when the birth is over, you forget about it and have another one. And then when you get there, oh, this is my last one, then you have another one. Oh, this is my last one, then you have another one. And uh, Missouri's mama had nine children. That's a lot of pain to go through, folks. That's a lot of pain, but they just, you forget about the pain because of the beautiful benefit of the child and, and of the benefit of growing. Man, when God grows you, yeah, in the midst of the pain, it's all you're thinking about, but pretty soon that's gone. And he's, he's given you some insight, and he's given, allowed you to see him in a new way. How'd you be like him? So maybe sickness, maybe chronic pain. I've seen chronic pain help, folks. Accidents or injuries. Responsible authorities around you will help grow you. Your pastor, your Sunday school teacher, your professor in school, your deacon, your Bible study leader. Some of my favorite teachers were the hardest teachers. We go into class, you have about, uh, oh, I don't know, about six, six classes of a semester. And you go the first weeks when they give all their assignments for the whole semester. You used to hate the first week. They'd load you up with this paper. You're going to do this paper, this paper, that paper, and just all these things. Man, you had so much work. You thought, how am I ever going to get done? Of course, I was working a full-time job with married, married student, wondering how it was going to happen. And just, uh, and then I'd have this professor that was overzealous. You know, they'd come and say, well, welcome to the book of Acts. You're going to read the book of Acts every week, every week. For 18 weeks, you're going to read the book of Acts. If you don't read the book of Acts, you're going to fail the course, no matter what you do on the exam. So you're going to read the book of Acts. You're going to sign a piece of paper and give your word that you read the book of Acts. Every week, you can't read it ahead. you got to read it that week, and then that way, two and a half hours worth of reading. You're going to do that every week. Now, remember, you just got through with five classes, and each one of them said, you're going to read a 600-page book, you're going to read a 500-page book, you're going to read an 800-page book, you're going to write three papers, two papers, one paper, and then this guy comes in, this, this uh, show-off, and he comes in and says, oh, by the way, on top of all that, you got 25 memory verses, and you got to do those memory verses, word perfect, You'll be, you have to write them out, word perfect. 
And every mistake is a letter grade. So the first mistake, you get a B. Second mistake, C. Third mistake, D. Fourth mistake, F. And so you get no credit or you get F, take F. Now, you do that if you just want to pass the course. Now I'm going to do my lectures on this. You've got to take notes on the lecture. You're going to have a test. You'll have a midterm exam and a final exam on those lectures. And so enjoy your life. <clears throat> what life? I don't have no life. You just took all my life away from me. But at the end of the semester, your favorite teacher was that hard teacher. It just tore you up because when you, when, you, when you realize at the end of the semester, those six courses, that one you learned the absolute most in that you didn't even think you could learn that much was that hard teacher. That's God. God's a hard teacher. But I'll tell you one thing, God's going to teach you. You will learn what he has for you. He will make sure, if you, and especially if you go to him and say, Lord, I want it. I want to learn. I want your power. We discount God's presence in the above sometimes, all these people. We don't think our boss means anything or our, our spouse may, can help us or our teachers or all these stuff, but they all are part of it. All of you help me. I help you, and we help each other. That's what a church is, really. And so we try to discredit them by maybe we know them personal. You know, they're not perfect. Let me just say this. The instrument of God's use to grow you doesn't have to be perfect. The instrument of use to grow you doesn't even have to doesn't even have to have the maturity that maybe you have in Christ. God will use any kind of instrument to help you. You may say you may get full of pride and resent the advice uh, from the instrument that God uses. Always look at it like is God using this person to help me? Is God talking through this person? Or Maybe you're just ignorant that God uses this method to help us and purge us so that we can receive more power. So here's the cycle. God wants you to have his power. You want it? You want it? You have to understand that you need God to grow you, and you need it. He then will come to you in ways that you don't, do not expect. He'll help purge you and prepare your vessel unto honor. When that happens, you humble yourself. And respond to his message, respond to the messenger, whatever, whether it be cancer, whether it be bad news, whether it be finance, whether it be somebody, whether it be an enemy, somebody else, it doesn't make any difference. Whatever it is that comes out, you say, God, help me to learn from this teacher. And you respond to the messenger. You recognize the messenger to be of God. And it gives you more power. I like... Recently, I just reread Job. I, I don't know about you, but Job's so powerful, such a powerful book. When you read those first two chapters of Job, I just, I literally stand in awe that somebody is so mature in Christ and in, in God that when his children, 10 children were killed, all of his property taken, all of his health, almost all of his health, that was before he, he had the boils, he said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Man, when that whole thing finished itself and the dust settled, after those three so-called or four so-called friends came by and tried to tell him it was because of his sin that God did it, which that was not why God did it. You read the book. God did it to help him, to grow him. What happened at the end of the book? He doubled everything he had. 
had 10 more kids. I know you can't replace the 10 kids that are gone, but he gave him 10 more children, doubled all of his possessions, became a a well-known individual for what happened, and we are still talking about him. Here, 2,000, actually about probably, wouldn't be surprised if that was about 3,500 years ago or so that that was done. So you grow. You trust God through the trouble. You do better. You start fair and well again. Things are going good. God knows that you need more power, need to know more about him. He sends another messenger by to purge you. You humble yourself again, receive the purging, and then God gives you more understanding and more, more Holy Spirit power as you begin to respond to him in faith. The power of God comes at a high price, I'll agree. It's costly, just like your soul is precious. Psalm 49, 8 says, for the redemption of their soul is precious. 2 Corinthians 13, 4 says, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lived by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. When we're weak, then we're strong. Man, that's strange. Isn't that strange? It's just the opposite of the world. 2 Timothy 1.8 says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. He said the troubles we have, the afflictions we have, are God giving us his power. I think of a man born blind in John chapter 9. Jesus said, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God may, should be made manifest in him. The conclusion is the power of God is available, but it's going to be costly, but it's worth it. It's worth it to see God work through your own infirmities and to build us up in the most holy faith. Don't you be discouraged when bad news, so-called bad news comes your way. Don't you get down. I mean, you know, we're human. You may have to get down for a short period of time, but slap yourself, come back up and say, by the grace of God, he will. Because I'm never going to die. Ultimately, we're going to be in heaven. Ultimately, he's prepared a place for us. Ultimately, the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be. And so, gut up, trust God, look up, and God will help you and manifest himself. And you get to know him in a new way. And his power then can be manifested through your weakness, not through your strength, just the opposite of the world. And as we're weak, so he's strong. And you know what? He'll never leave us or forsake us. Never leave you nor forsake you. Everybody in this room within a hundred years is going to be dead. Think about it. None of you are getting out of this alive. Each one of you is going to get some news. You got this, you got that. Some of you are going to get in automobile accidents, and the last thing you see is boom. Uh, Some of you are going to have heart attacks. Some of you are going to have financial ruin. Some of you are going to have people betray you. Some of you are going to have all kinds of things. A whole array of things are happening. 
But what makes us different from the world is we trust in the living God who made heaven and earth. And in the end, we're all going to say the same thing. Your Lord, you're true. What you said about all this is true. And it's right. May the Lord help us to see it. Father in heaven, thank you tonight for the word of God. Help us not to miss your training process. Forgive us for getting mad about it. I know we can really mess up if we get mad. We can really mess up if we get, if we get bitter. The Bible says if we get bitter about this training process, uh, we'll literally defile many people around us. And instead of helping us, it'll, it'll hurt us and damage us. It's part of us, part of our responsibility just to trust you. Take it in faith. Lord God, move tonight. Maybe there's some people in this room even now that are struggling with some bad news you've received, some troubles that have happened your way. Give God the glory. Thank him for helping you. Help, ask him to help use it for your honor and glory. He somehow manifests himself through the trouble to help others know him, whom to know is life everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.